I feel that. I, I, I just want to encourage you, Downpour, just this morning, uh, early morning, maybe late last night, I haven't slept. So at some point in the last 24 hours, uh, I just felt like telling some people, you are at the right place at the right time. God's about to explode something in this place, in this church. I really believe, I'm not making it up. There's more that I'd love to share, but it's even not just what I know. It's also what I don't know. You can just smell it in the air. And uh, I just say, get ready for the ride that's up ahead. Uh, in other words, I'm saying we ain't seen nothing yet. We ain't seen nothing yet. So get excited. How are you doing, Pastor Regan? Can I just say, for the very first time in four years, I absolutely have no idea what's happening in this church that I planted. I absolutely, I'm just being very, very honest. I do not know what is happening, like in the sense of who's doing what, nothing. He's just literally taken off. It's, it feels a bit of a coup, but it's okay. It's an approved, it's an approved coup by the board and by Lee and by everybody else. So, so, so I just want to say thank you so much, Pastor Regan, your leadership, your character, your integrity, and, uh, you know, doesn't miss a beat, doesn't complain. I, I, I make reasons to make him complain, but still just doesn't complain. Amen. I want to read from Mark chapter 4. Verse 33, it says, And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them, that's Jesus, as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. Keep that in mind. Now we're going to read the main passage, the main story that we want to get into. 35. On the same day, keep that in mind. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along it took him in the boat as he was and other little boats were also with him and a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling but he was that's Jesus was in the stern asleep on a pillow and they woke him and said to him teacher do you not care that we are perishing another translation says do you not even care that we are about to die Verse 39, then he rose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? I want to read one more passage of scripture. Psalm 127 verse 1 and 2. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. This is what I want to get a hold of. Eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Eating the bread of anxious toil. What, what caught my attention um, this week was this passage of scripture, eating the bread of anxious toil. Don't need a show of hands, but I think so many of us have at many times eaten the bread of anxious toil. If you're going through any bouts of anxiety, you've potentially been eating the bread of anxious toil. And, and I think the question we've got to ask is, what are we losing our sleep over as we eat the bread of anxious toil? If you're taking notes, the title of my message is, God is sleeping. Someone's like, I like this church. 
Finally, someone's saying what I've been feeling for the last couple of months. I think I'm going to come here for a bit. If you are a bit spiritual, I'll give you another one. Peace in a storm. That's a bit more Christian. Peace in a storm. A real one is God, for all the real people, God is sleeping. Why don't we pray? Father, we thank you for your word. Father, you know what you need to deliver this morning. And I pray that every person would not just hear me, but that they would hear you. And this word would come so alive in their soul, in their heart, that this would meet exactly where they're at. No matter where we're sitting in the room, the front, the back, no matter how we've entered this place, the old, the new, the VIP, the veteran, regardless, I pray you would speak to us in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had someone sleep? Thank you so much, Dr. Sam. <laughs> Have you ever had, that's, it's got a ring to it, Dr. S, Dr. Sam. Have you ever had someone sleep in the most significant moment of your life? The other day, you know, now we're at home all the time. We've got all, all these kids running around and all sorts of things. And so we've got, the, we've got stuff happening. Netflix is just picking up random. You know, you reach a phase where Netflix and everything's so on that it's just picking up movies for you. It's like, you know, and so this movie comes on, uh, which I was doing all sorts of stuff and I was just sort of watching it in the peripheral. This movie comes on called Father of the Bride Part 2. And, and, and there's this moment where this father who's obviously dealing with two pregnant women, I won't go into the details of all that, dealing with two pregnant women and, 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 and he's losing sleep and he's just there and he's just taking care of them and doing everything possible uh, to make sure that they are, they are entertained, they are taken care of, everything, every need has been met uh, until this, this connection in their house is... This German uh, dude who, I don't even know how he ends up there, but, you know, gives him this, this little tablet saying, oh, when I, when I struggle, you got to take care of yourself. Gives him this pill, which later on they realize is literally illegal in America at that point. And, and he has this pill. And then as he's, and, and he just gets knocked out. He just goes to sleep. And, and both the people in his life that he was taking care of goes into labor. And so this guy that needs to drive them, that needs to take them to the hospital, is just like, this guy's been waiting for the, one of the most significant moments and just sleeps through the whole situation. Have you ever had those people, like, it's like they take you on, you know what I'm talking about, they take you on a holiday, they say, let's all go to Noosa, it's going to be great, the waves are there. And once you arrive, it's like they're sleeping the whole time. It's like, where are the waves, you know? All I'm hearing is the sound of thunder upstairs, you know? It's like, it's like someone in the last row got it. So, so you know what I'm saying? You know, you know like when people over talk something, and then when they turn up, they're sleeping. It's just like, where are you? At the most significant moment, like all the energy you had explaining it to me at the cafe and then boom, when we arrive at the site, my anticipation is built up. We've all bought into your plan. This was your idea. You had the idea of, of executing this trip. And then when we, when we arrive, you're there sleeping. You know, we've had it. You know, dad's going to sleep and they should be awake. You know, best men sleeping because they were just up a bit too late last night. And the ring's hidden somewhere, you know what I'm saying? Surgeon's sleeping, so, you know, someone else has got to take over the operation. Like, we've had situations where at the moment where you should be awake, you've gone to bed. And in Mark chapter 4, 
We've got Jesus and the disciples. They've had an exhausting day. If, in fact, I never realized how much details is actually there in Mark chapter 4 and Mark chapter 5 about the kind of day they had. They had a busy day. It was a 24-hour shift. I mean, they were just going from town to town. They were going from city to city. They were, Jesus was preaching words and messages and amazing moments and amazing things were spoken in Mark chapter 4 and Mark chapter 5. And, and, and then Jesus, and I think the disciples were okay to sort of just call it a night. And Jesus has this idea. It says later on that day, later on that evening, probably night, Jesus says, let's go to the other side. So it's like, wow, the master's got energy. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to keep up with the master. You got to keep up with the leader. You got to keep up. So everybody sort of shakes off the anxiety, shakes off the lethargy, you know, maybe have a shot of espresso, do whatever. And they get into this boat. And in the middle of that, they, they echo, they enter this, this life-threatening moment. Now, this wasn't the most life-threatening moment the disciples have ever faced. They've gone through trial. They've gone through persecution. They've gone through people accusing Jesus of stuff. They've gone through uh, death threats by the religious leaders at that time. They've gone through stuff. But it's one thing to go through a life-threatening situation knowing Jesus is by your side. But it's a whole other thing to go through a life-threatening situation knowing that Jesus has gone to sleep. See, it wasn't the fact that this was the, the, the highest moment of threat that the disciples faced. It was the fact that who they were facing with has now gone to bed. What would you do if Jesus is sleeping on potentially the most dangerous day of your life? And that's what they're at. And, and I want to I take it up a notch and say, not Jesus, but what do you do when God's sleeping? What do you do when God is sleeping? And, and this is such a contradictory scripture because my Bible tells me that he neither slumbers nor sleeps, but he's snoring at the stern of the ship. You know, what's going on? Like, you know, you know he's the, you're the one that's supposed to stay up all night, Jesus. Like, you know, you're the one that should not be sleeping. And now you've gone to bed. Now you are sleeping. What do you do when God goes to bed? What do you do when you feel like God's not awake? I'll tell you what was going on through the minds of the disciples. One of the disciples, his name was Peter. What did Peter do for work before he became a disciple? He was a fisherman. If there's one risk, being a fisherman is to go through crazy storms. And I wonder if Peter took out the weather app that day and said, Jesus, probably today is not the best weather. Today was not the best. Today is not the best climatic conditions to go out there. And, you know, but when Jesus, when God says a word, it takes away all facts. It takes away all conditions. It takes away all sort of any other guesstimates that we have. No, no, no. His word is yes and amen. So they step out. And I can imagine Peter going, I knew we shouldn't have stepped out. I can imagine when Peter went to his family and said to them that, that he's having a career change from being a fisherman to the follower of a Jewish carpenter. The only thing that they probably thought about was at least now he won't die out at sea. The only thing they would have thought about was, you know what? Yeah, I'm not sure about that career choice. I mean, you don't, you know, you're following this, this person who's so articulate, but you can't really control your mouth and not sure if this is the best career choice for you, but let it be so, Peter. At least he's going to last a few more years. He's not going to go. So I can imagine what's going on through Peter's mind. If there's one thing that he dreaded in his previous life, in his previous job, in his previous career, it was to go out and die and see. And yet he finds himself when he's supposed to be with Jesus, who they say is the safest place to be in. He finds himself in the same place and the same life that he literally ran away from from what do you do when you find yourself at the same place you ran away from 
when you were unsaved to the day that you were saved? What do you do when you feel like, have I come, gone back full circle? Now I feel like I'm, 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 I'm literally grabbing a seat next to you talking to you because you know what I'm talking about where there was stuff that you were struggling in when you did not know Jesus, but now you're struggling with the same thing and yet you feel like God is having a nap. I wonder if Peter thought, what difference did this make? I mean, if I was out fishing, I'd probably been caught up in a storm somewhere. But now here I am with Jesus, the chosen one, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, yet in the same place. I thought I should have gone up a few levels by now. I thought I should have learned a few more things by now. I thought I should have been a bit more, uh, you know, a bit more uh, mature, a bit more safe, a bit more sound. But yet I feel like I'm back at ground zero. And that's how some of you feel. The kind of year that some of you have had, some of us have had, is sort of like, I feel like, I don't even know if I'm saved. And that's sort of how Peter felt. I'm with the Savior, but I don't feel safe. I'm with the healer, but I don't feel like I'm delivered. I can imagine the thoughts. And the other thing I think Peter was thinking about was also about the reputation. I'm sure he probably talked people into, oh man, the safety on the job. It's not going to be as unsafe as being a fisherman. And the reputation, what's people going to think? Flash news, ex-fisherman goes out into the storm and dies. <laughs> you know, and here's the thing. I think some of us struggle with God, not because of what we're actually struggling with, but because of our perception of what people will think about us when they find us at a, at a spot that we should not have been in the first place. I think sometimes we struggle with God because we have a perception of what needs to be projected, what needs to be portrayed. What, I, I, by this time, people expect me to be this far, but yet I'm not there. And what would people think? Let me try and, let me try and work this out in the right way. It's sort of like, when people say, um, I've had this happen a lot of times to me where people say, uh, Pastor Elwin, we've gone through this financial crisis, but we've worked it out. I'm, I'm not even exaggerating this conversation, but we worked it out. It was when I was itinerant. It wasn't in ch this church, just, you know, <laughs> we worked it out <laughs> just before anybody, oh, my story's coming out. No, no, no. Just, we worked it out. If God comes by Tuesday, that's like the right time. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not joking. I'm, I'm serious. I've literally had a person say to him, by Tuesday, we worked it out even to the, around midday, if God comes through, like we've had enough faith to push us through financially for three weeks. But, but, if, but Tuesday, if it's by Wednesday, it's a bit too, like just, just like we worked it out. Like literally they're having, and they want me to pray. They want me to lay hands and say, God, by Tuesday, you know, it's like you, you're put in this predicament, right? And we work this out. Like we, you know, I've had people say to me, like, if I get healed of this, this could be a great movie and, and this could go around the world and think about how many lives that will be saved. Think about how many families that will be delivered by the story. And we, we make movies out of our moments, don't we? Like, like, like we take that and we're like, God, right now. And can I say to you, you know how they say that God's always on time? I want to break that myth and say, no, he's late. <laughs> he is late. Let's, let, let's, just, let's just allow that to digest. Because I think we live this lie thinking that God's always, no, he's not. He's not on time. He's always late and that's okay. Let's all be okay with the fact that God sleeps and God's late. You're like, this, I like this church. This is great. <laughs> Preach it to me, pastor. So, 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 so I think, because I think we struggle with this because the problem is we put God in our time zone. 
and we try to work it out in our time zone. And, and then what begins to happen is we, without even us knowing, we try to manipulate the will of God by coding scriptures, by coding promises, by saying statements, by sharing testimonies, sharing stories, this and that. And that is the predicament that Peter in, is in. And he's sort of like, God, do you care? You have not even turned up. Now that's Peter. Let's leave him on the side of the boat. We've got Matthew. Matthew was the tax collector. If there's one thing tax collectors do, they're good at reconciling things. <laughs> they take what's there, they put it here, they take what's here. They're just the, the master reconciler. So, so, so what is, see, we've got to understand this. See, Matthew has not watched National Geographic. What's this? What's Matthew's context? Matthew's context was the Old Testament. The last time someone was in a shipwreck, they were outside the will of God. A guy called Jonah in the Bible, book written after him, and he's literally in a shipwreck. And the reason why he was in the stormy situation was because he was outside of the will of God. So Matthew's taking the calculator out. He's reconciling Old Testament Torah, this, 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 Jesus. Is Jesus outside the will of God? Am I outside the will of God? Have the father and the son had a had a had a situation here can you imagine what all is going on through these guys minds like it's sort of like what's happened like if Jesus said we were going there it should have been smooth it should have been great storms are a sign of a curse storms are a sign of God's disapproval storms are a sign of things are going bad and this is what I want to say because there are some of you that are going through what you're going through and you think you've been disapproved by God and I want to speak over that and right now break that guilt break that condemnation and say that sometimes God allows us to go through storms. Now, I'm not saying that God gives storms. I'm not saying that God is laughing and putting a storm from heaven so that we can go through trials and stuff and temptations, all sorts of things. But God allows storms to make us who we are called to be. And I think sometimes, anytime I found people sometimes, anytime things go wrong, they start saying, oh, oh, what's the day? Friday. Oh forgot a tithe it was Tuesday forgot a tithe oh that's why my coffee was extra hot no 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 the coffee was extra hot just because you went to the wrong place that's why it's not because God's in a bad mood and we've got this thing don't we where we try to we try to do an inventory we become accountants we become tax collectors and we, be, we begin to do inventories of what did I do wrong last what happened there can I say to you God loves you beyond your sin he loves you beyond your fault he loves you beyond that situation and he's accepting of you he cares for you I feel like I need to I need to exhaust this thought because there are so many of us that live under this condemnation even though we say we believe in the grace of God and we have we we, we are gracious when it comes to others but not to ourselves and I want to say to you this morning give yourself some grace we've got Matthew trying to reconcile the books trying to say what is happening but I think the real key of this story, if, I, if we can put up verse 35, uh, the real key of the story is, 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 are these words with Mark writes. He says, on the same day. I begin to ask the question, why would Mark include that? On the same day. What happened on that same day? On that same day, Jesus shared a bunch of stories. And one of the stories that Jesus shared, shared was the parable of the sower. The sower goes out to plant 
Some fell on this soil and some fell on that soil and some fell on this soil and some fell on that soil and, and talks about how even when God is about to bless, even when God's about to sow, there will be trials and temptations. There'll be anxiety and weariness. There'll be grief and sorrow. The devil, in fact, it talks about how the enemy comes like a bird and takes away the seed. Here's what I'm trying to say. Maybe Jesus was allowing that lesson that he taught them few, few verses above for them to go through it. Could it be? Could it be that Jesus was allowing for, 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 for something in them to rise up? Here's why I'm saying this. Because you notice that Jesus says to them in, in verse 35, you can keep it up. It says, he said to them, let us cross over to what? To the other side. I want to I say to you something. If God says to you, you're going to go to the other side, you're going to go to the other side. Your ship might not make it to the other side. Your boat might not make it to the other side. Your building might not make it to the other side. Your house might not make it to the other side. But you and I, we will make it to the other side. And I think what was happening, I think what was happening was, was God was, God was, Jesus was allowing the seed. Because here's the thing, right? A lot of us, we're not looking for seeds. We're looking for trees. And most times we, 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 we get so desperate searching for trees not realizing that we're stamping on seeds at the same time. And, and so what I begin to understand is that the fact that Mark says these words that on the same day was to really speak forth a truth to us that, that maybe Jesus was doing something. That maybe Jesus, don't you think that Jesus wasn't aware that there was going to be a storm? Don't you think that he wasn't aware that they were going through, going through some trials and tribulation? Don't you think it might have been intentional? He, he would have been tired. He might have been, you know, it was a long day of ministry and all that sort of stuff. But don't you think that he was, you know, he, he was in this place of, of awareness, but just sort of seeing, let me see where the seed goes. Let me see where the promise stands. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you have a word from God and it feels like everything is going against you, because the Bible says that the waves started coming. In fact, the waves got into the boat. You know, there's one, there's one level of trial and there's one level of trouble where the waves come around you, but it's a whole other thing when that waves comes within you. And it came into the boat. And that's why it says it's not good to stay up to eat the bread of anxious toil. And that's where the disciples were. They were chewing on the bread of anxious toil. And, and what, what, what gets to me is the predicament of the disciples because they're probably thinking, shouldn't Jesus be up? Shouldn't he be awake? What kind of a leader is he? And, 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 and the reason I'm confident about this is because the, the description gives it away. It says that Jesus is, is sleeping. I don't know if you notice. In fact, you want to read it later. It says Jesus is sleeping on a pillow. The fact that Mark takes time to write that, he's sleeping on a pillow in the stern, which is the back part of the board. In other words, in the unaffected area. He's sleeping in the unaffected. In other words, Jesus, it says two things. It says that Jesus was disinterested. He was in the back of the boat. And it says that Jesus was too comfortable. Some of us, some of us feel that way with God. He's, he's, he's loving. You know how you can love someone and still be not as interested? He's loving but distant. He's loving but disinterested. He's loving but he's just a bit too comfortable. And, and that's how I think the disciples felt that way. And they go to him. And I don't, actually don't think, I've, I've, I've heard preachers preach this message and say, the disciples, oh, E of little faith. I said E because I'm trying to do old school preacher. <laughs> oh, E of little faith. You know, they should have, you know what? If I was on that boat, if I was on that boat, 
Jesus would have continued sleeping. I would have just stood on the waters and said, get away. You know, <laughs> I'm not going there today. If that's sorry, sorry. I know you might have come for that. Sorry. Okay. I'm not going there. I actually don't think there was a problem in them waking Jesus up. It was the way they woke him up. See, the Bible says they woke him up and they said, teacher, don't you not care that we are dying? Don't you not care that we are perishing? See, I think Jesus would have been okay if Peter said, Jesus, we're struggling, help. Jesus, there's, 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 some, there's some storms, there's some stormy situation around us. We need your hand. Or, or just crying out for help. Father, help us. Uh, God's okay with you crying. God's okay with you, uh, even with you complaining, but God's not okay when we accuse. And, 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 and I think, I think, I think, I think it's important that we think about what we think. <laughs> I think it's important about, we think about what we think. I know, I know we're laughing, but take a, when was the last time you thought about what you thought? See, see, they, and here's, here's the next thing I want to talk about. You know how they say um, there are no bad questions? That works when you're five years old. <laughs> when you're about 25, there are bad questions. And when they go to Jesus and they ask this question, that wasn't a good question. That was what you call a bad question. And, and I think I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about our culture because we, we, we have made the worship of thought and the worship of question. But not all thoughts are good and not all questions are good. That's why the Bible talks a lot about our thought life. And, 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 and here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. I think, I, think, I think just because you might find 12 others that feel the same way you feel, it does not mean what you're feeling is right. Just because you find four other people that are disgruntled, disfranchised, you may still be dysfunctional. Okay, I, 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 I just because you want to cancel something and everybody, a few other people want to cancel, it still does not make it right. Can I go there? And, 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 and so I think God's digging deeper to something even more profound where he is saying, where does the thought come from of not knowing that your reliance and your confidence must be in me through thick or thin, through stillness and in through storm, through peace or through pain. Where is that? Why are you asking this question? Twelve very grown-up concerned men. And here's the thing, right? Just because you found a friendship group that associates with your pain, it does not mean they've got the anointing to solve what you're going through. The majority on that boat was not Jesus. The majority on that boat was the twelve men. And they were all deeply concerned. And, and, and if you look at it from an aerial view without knowing the details, Jesus would not look like the best leader at that moment. Because leadership, John Maxwell tells me I need to wake up. He tells me I need to be awake. Simon Sinek says the eat, leaders eat last. Like, like you know, what, why, why are you sleeping, Jesus? Because you, you don't qualify to be a good leader right now and I think that's the problem I think some of us have projected unto God what we expect of him what we expect from him but maybe he's trying to dig in deeper to a thought that is revealing a depth and an insecurity that he's bringing to the surface 
If you really loved me, you wouldn't have left me at this place. If you really cared for me, you wouldn't let me die. You wouldn't let me perish. And here's the thing that scripture comes to mind. It is vain for you to stay up and eat the bread of anxious toil. You know, the reason why these guys wanted Jesus to turn up was because they were wanting peace, right? They were wanting peace. Peace, a lot of times we think peace is the absence of disorder. But it's not. Peace is not always the absence of disorder. A lot of times we think peace is a peaceful, is, 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 this, is this good state of affairs. Peace is not the absence of disorder. Peace is not a good state of affairs. Peace is a person. And as long as they had the Prince of Peace with them, even when they felt he was a bit distant, even when he looked a bit disinterested, even maybe he was having a bit of a snooze, yeah, regardless of that, if they'd known who their faith was anchored in, if they'd known who their hope must be, and if they'd known that, 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 that peace is not the status of the boat, peace is not the weather conditions, peace is not the financial state, peace is not that I paid my rent on time, peace is not that I'm in a great relationship, peace is not that I'm in this amazing circle and all my circle people love me and invite me to every event that they have on. Peace is not when you're featured on everybody's Instagram stories. That is not peace, my friend. Peace is a person and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And I think that's what God was trying to reveal. I think that's what Jesus was trying to reveal. And we might ask the question, why was Jesus sleeping? Maybe he was sleeping because he just wanted us to build some confidence. But what I love about Jesus is Jesus wakes up mid-sleep. It's only Jesus who can wake up mid-sleep and rebuke the storm and the wind. It's only Jesus who can rise up mid-sleep and rebuke everything that's going on in your life. It's Jesus that will do that. And I love that after that, he confronted their thoughts. He spoke about their faithlessness. It was not their faithfulness, faithlessness because they couldn't rebuke the wind. It was because of their faithlessness and the fact that they thought that God wanted to punish them. And, and it's only Jesus who can get up like he's been in the middle of a pillow talk ad and point his finger to the storm and speak against it and it'll calm. And, 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 and then I begin to wonder, there were 13 people on the boat and only one of them could execute peace. Because the only storms you can rebuke are the ones that you have the ability to sleep through. The only storms that you've been anointed. See, all Jesus did was spoke the peace that he had just come out from, his sleep, and released that peace into the atmosphere. Whereas everybody else was surrounded by panic. And it's crazy because I've learned this in life that many years ago, I would, I would force panic. Alwyn, you're not sensitive enough. So force panic on yourself, force anxiety so you can connect with the masses. Jesus had no sensitivity to their panic. He had no sensitivity to their anxiety. He had no sensitivity to the depression. He stands up and he speaks peace. And that's what some of us need. See, I, I think it's, I, I, I'm going different places. 
is not fully prepared, but I feel like the surgery happening around the room. But here's what I'm trying to say. The only storms that you can rebuke are the ones that you have the ability to sleep through. What is eating up your sleep? What has taken away your peace? And I want to encourage us this morning to find the ability. So what do I do when God is sleeping? Join him. I mean, God's sleeping, we join him. He's the comforter. He's the carrier. If I can get the musician up, that would be amazing. He's the comforter. He's the carrier of our peace. He's the prince of peace. And you might be going through situations and scenarios where you're like, what do I do? And that's okay. I'm not, I'm not punishing. I'm not beating us down for being people that we have it all the time. I have it all the time. And I've got to constantly go back. And say, no, Jesus, you're the author and the finisher. Jesus, you're the, you're the carrier of my peace. Jesus, you're the shepherd of my soul. Jesus, you're the bright and morning star. Jesus, you are more than I ever, ever needed. And I would just want to encourage us this morning. You might be going through a season where you feel like God is sleeping. And that's okay. I do not know. Maybe you might need to wake him up. But I'd rather you advance towards that God that you feel is distant because He's closer than you think. You know, if you were to take a photo of that boat and people saw it, Jesus would look so disinterested. But can I say to you that Jesus was the most caring person on that boat? So even right now, when you feel like God's not interested, God is very interested. God cares for your affairs. He may not come in the way you expect, in the way that you anticipate, and that is all right. But maybe He's teaching us a new thing. Maybe you're looking for trees when you ought to be holding on to a seed. Maybe this, this is a seed season. Maybe this ain't a tree season, and that's okay, and that's all right. Because God does everything in granular form. And so maybe it's a seed. And that seed that day was when they said, let us go to the other side. That was the seed that they just needed to hold on to. Right now, you might be going through a painful situation. Right now, you might be going through stuff. And I know, I wish I could just say all situations be loose, all situations be okay. I, I don't have that sort of a message today. Maybe the message I have is hold on to that seed. Because in that, you will find the nutrition, you will find the nutrients, you will find all that is needed to take you to the other side to the other side of whatever that you're believing for, to the other side of that promise, to the other side of that dream, to the other side of maybe it's a miracle, maybe it's a need. I do not know what it is. But I want to encourage us this morning that God is our ever-present help in trouble. In Romans 16, it says, And the God of peace will soon crush Satan. You know what it says? Underneath your feet. Not his feet. He's the God of peace. But he ain't going to do the crushing. You and I, we're going to do the crushing. The God of peace will soon crush Satan. Whatever storm that you're going through, whatever pain that you're going through, whatever trial that you're going through, he's going to let you crush it. He's given you grace. He's given you mercy. He's given you anointing. He's given you power. But how do I get peace? The way I get peace is not by singing this or singing that or quoting this or quoting that or getting this or getting that. The way I get around peace is to know peace. It's to know the person of peace. His name is Jesus. And if you're here this morning and maybe you do not know this Jesus I'm talking about, maybe you feel like you've been far from God and I do not know how you've ended up here. Maybe you were, 
you were walking by and just came into the service. Maybe someone invited you and you might not know this Jesus I'm talking about. But friend, let me tell you, when he comes into your life, you come in contact with that peace.